2 Peter 3, verse 10. Say it with me. I'm ready to be fed. A word from my God in the name of Jesus Christ. It will heal my body, transform my mind, renew how I think, and change who I am. And I'll be more like Christ. Amen. Do you believe it? The day of the Lord will come and take everyone by surprise, as unexpected as a home invasion. The atmosphere will be set on fire and vanish with a horrific roar. The heavenly bodies will melt away as in a tremendous blaze. The earth and every activity of man will be laid bare. Kind of highlight that in your notes today. Everything will be laid bare. That makes you feel naked, doesn't it? <laughs> Everything will be laid bare. And, and by the way, just so I know, this is not one of those frowny services. If you go, see, kings had the frowny and they went out of business. <laughs> right? The frowny. Who wants to be depressed? Hey, want a frowny? No. <laughs> want the kitchen sink? No. Just want a little Sunday. But, but I don't want to frown. I want to go over to Eaton Puke, I mean Eaton Park, and I want a smiley cookie at least if I'm going to go, right? Everyone say smile. smile. You say, why do you have to smile? Because the look on your face, the Bible says you can see God in your countenance. You can see the glory of God manifest in your countenance. And if you look at someone's face, it's the reaction of what's going on in their heart. It tells you a message. That's why the Bible says, look him full in the face. The grace of God. So since these things are on the verge of being dismantled, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? That word holy means set apart. A set apart life. How many know we don't live like the world? We don't act like the world. Holiness means set apart. How many know you're set apart? About half. How many know you're set apart? Start saying you know it and you'll see it. But he says, we must be consumed with godliness. Consumed with godliness. What would that mean? Consumed with the word of God. Consumed with the will of God. Consumed with doing the word. Consumed with being in the word. Consumed with speaking the word. Consumed with doing our part as we've been talking about. Our assignment, our position, God's plan for our lives in practice and in performance. Everything will be laid bare. It's interesting to me that we think, well, if everything's laid bare in the generation we live in, I show who I am in my facade, in my social media. This is who I am. Look, today I'm eating lobster. And you take a picture of it. And please don't do that anymore. Hopefully we... And this is my new car. Hey, praise God. I believe it'll be paid off. This is my new this. Now this... So, the essence and the emphasis of everything that we're showing most of the time, most of the time is temporal. But God doesn't see the temporal as much as he does the eternal. And as a church that believes the full gospel, we believe we're to be driven by? Driven by? How many are driven by eternity? If you're not there yet, we want you to get there because that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. As Americans, we're going to stop chasing things and start chasing God. And when you seek first the kingdom, he takes care of the rest. And that is the essence of the blessed life. Amen. How many want to live a blessed life? 
Jesus first, goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. All debts paid off. Everything, healing, blessing, no hospital visits. How many know it's a good life? It's called the abundant life. I've come that you might have life, John 10, 10, and that you might have this life more abundantly. So game day victories are only because of the private practicing, the things that are never seen in public. The whole world is about my platform. It's becoming more selfish. In the last days, Timothy, Paul tells him, people will be lovers of self more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure from such people have nothing to do with. Say driven by eternity and seeking first the kingdom. So it's thinking about how we make such a big deal of what we see. But the Bible says for what we see is temporary. But the unseen is eternal. So fix, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Because your life, Colossians, is dead and hid with Christ in God. So as we look at this, I thought, Odell Beckham Jr. Anyone remember that dude? Uh, He was this dude, if you look at some of his stuff, he kind of caught a ball like this. He kind of caught, he was a receiver that just would. (laughs) He could catch a ball, he'd get on his tiptoes, keep his feet in bounce, and just that ball would stick to his hand. And I remember my kids going, this guy's awesome. You know, my boys were around the TV. He's awesome. And they came out with a documentary, and they said, man, that guy, he caught this game, this game, this game. And many of those games they lost too, by the way. But he was explaining how, how, how he caught the ball with one hand in. And people said, what, what an amazing day. What an amazing yardage. Catches on the field. But then they, in one of his practices, they said, we stayed after practice and we did a thousand catches with one hand. A thousand in one day. A thousand catches with one hand. Because his emphasis was what you do in practice, you'll do in the game. What you do in practice, you'll do in the game. Not on Sunday morning. What you do in practice, you'll do in the game. And they'd say practice makes perfect. I remember my friend Press Taylor. He's Bill Shear's son-in-law. Press was telling us in a room with a couple men. He was the offensive coach for Philly when they won the Super Bowl. And I remember Pastor Bill telling me, we were up there. He was holding his grandkids in the Super Bowl trophy. And Press was the offensive coordinator. And he was calling all these plays. And so he said, the night before the Super Bowl, he said, we stood in for three hours. We locked all the doors. We put security around because media is everywhere. And they want to show what you're doing. They want to blow your game plan. That's why guys hold the paper over the mouth because they literally had people that could read lips and say, they're running this. I think uh, New England did that at one season a bunch. Because I was at several games where it was like our guys, they would be there before our guy got there and catch the ball and interception. They were doing something. They were understanding our strategy. But... He said something was powerful. They practiced for three hours in that room and would not let anyone in. He said, we wanted to perfect the Philly special. And then he said this to the guys. He said, at the right time, I knew. They looked over at me and said, what are we going to do? He said, Philly special. We were on the five-yard line. He said, we faked them out. We threw the ball over here. They thought we were going to run it. We chipped it, just dunked it, just over a touchdown. But he said, We had that step down so tight. The guys were in the banquet room of the hotel, and they could do it almost with their eyes shut. They practiced that play over and over and over and over again. So when it was under two minutes, they could execute well. Like Joey said yesterday at prayer, feed the ball to me. 
We got two minutes. We got one minute. Feed me the ball. I can score. How many feel that? Come on. Are are you ready to feed you the ball? Not your pastor, you. It's time for you to take responsibility. Amen? So as I looked at this, I thought it's the daily disciplines that bring the ultimate breakthrough. Systematic patterns, working hard. Sometimes your breakthrough shows up as hard work. Can I have an amen? Amen. Remember, you're not working for salvation. You're working out of the abundance of salvation that's in you. Many people don't want to practice. They only want a public platform. They don't want the discipline in private. They just want the platform in public. They have no preparation, no practice, but they want to be on the stage in public and they want to have a huge platform. So today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the secret place. Not about the platform. You're not made on a platform. This is just part of the fruit of your life. Your private essence with God, with your family, with people. That's why I love Jimmy Stewart. I love The Wonderful Life. I watch it every year. And my wife says, you rather watch The Wonderful Life? Again, I put it on. I sit there and cry the whole movie. How many have seen Wonderful Life, by the way? If you haven't, you need to do it. That's your homework this week. But I love it because the guy was so grateful when he found out. It's actually up in Indiana, PA. And we went there when we first came back. And, and I just love Jimmy Stewart as an actor, but I, I love the old school tradition. But the whole thing, nothing was working. Nothing was going his way. He was trying to help people. He was trying to help people keep their houses, help people get a loan, given his last amount of money. But things didn't seem to go his way. It seemed to be for the banker, the guy that had all the temporal stuff. Can I tell you But the end of the movie, how many know God shows up in a big way because he sees the unseen. He sees the ministering to the one marriage, ministering to the one sick guy, going to the prisons. And Jesus said, if you did it unto the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. I was in prison. You never came. I was homeless. You didn't give me a pillow. I was sick. You didn't come pray for me. And he said, Lord, when when did we not bless you? He said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. What a revelation Jesus gives us. So I love that God works this way. As you see, Mark 1, verse 35, he says, Very early in the morning, Jesus said, While it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went off to a solitary place. One translation says a secret place, and he prayed. A secret place, not a platform. Luke 4, 42, Early the next morning, Jesus went into an isolated place, and the crowd searched for him everywhere. He was in a secret place, spending time with the Father. See, the plans, the purposes, and the plays that come from the Holy Ghost are usually, even these messages, are not found out online, on social media, but in a secret place, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. What play do we run today? What Philly special do you assure us of victory if we follow the guidelines of the playbook? What purpose do you want to bring to pass with our church as a whole with our people what do you want to do what team do you want every person to be part of that has a position that's practical that they do something for the kingdom of God see David was this kind of guy that wanted to be in a secret place and his brothers laughed at him and said what do you mean you're going to get a slingshot and go out against that giant and they said to him where are those few sheep dad left with you go tend the sheep But while he was with the sheep, he was in the secret place. While he was in a secret place, it wasn't about his platform. It was about his purpose of being a worshiper of the Most High God. Sometimes we mistake the platform for the private. 
And David got in a place with God where he could hear his voice, where he could write songs and write many of the Psalms and, and have a worshipful heart of gratitude before the God. And when he stood before a lion, he killed it. He stood before a bear, he killed it. And he said, I know who my God is, and this giant will be as one of those. He didn't have a big entourage. He just had a little slingshot the same way he killed the lion and the bears, the same way he killed the giant by faith. He trusted that what God was for him and he could win. Come on, someone say, all I do is win. That's what he believed in his heart. Then you got his competitor, Saul, who was a man head and shoulders, the first king of Israel, that looked like he was doing all of the right things on the facade, but God said he had a wicked heart. He had a wicked, rebellious heart, and he said, your sin is the sin of witchcraft because he was blame shifting, and he was always talking about the surface because he had a need to be in the limelight. He had a need to be on the platform. He had a need for people to see who he was. And I think the Bible says something like this. If they had social media, they would say, well, you know what? You did it your way, and you're a loser, and you did it your way, and you're a winner. He said, but Saul got ticked when he looked at his social media and said, I have thousands of followers, but David has tens of thousands. What else is he going to take from me? The kingdom? His attitude was, this is what you see. But David's attitude was, I was developed in secret, in a secret place of the most high God. I was developed when I walked with God like Adam in the cool of the day. I was developed with my faith when I walked by faith like Enoch did and he was not for God took him. And so as we see this, we go, wow. So we see hidden things that nobody ever sees that God's eyes are open to. And then we see platform things that everybody sees. And God says, I'm not so impressed. As I looked down at that, I thought about Rahab. In Joshua 6, we have a lady that just looks like she's not a good woman. She's a businesswoman. She's smart, but she's a prostitute. And if you study the Old Testament, you'll find out she hired other prostitutes. So she had a business of a bad, like the up north, the adult bookstore there, but you could rent prostitutes through her business. It's interesting, at the same chapter 6 and same chapter 7, is whenever it was time for her to move and do something and the spies needed to be hidden, Rahab said, I'm going to step up. God, had to, God couldn't find any faith people in the city of Jericho and is about to destroy. And he said, I need somebody to help my spies. And a prostitute woman stepped up and said, I'll help. God said, I've seen your faith. Your whole family is going to be saved. Your whole lineage is going to be saved. In fact, I'm going to bring the lineage of Christ out of you. Isn't it interesting? One thing you do in your life, one decision you make in your life, God turns everything. One decision you make to go to church. One decision you make to pick up trash on the highway yesterday. One connection with a woman, with a man here, and all of a sudden you're going to be getting married. Yes. Just one person said yes. <laughs> married to Joe Vecchio. But you know what? One decision, one choice, one of God's purposes. This woman just turns her whole family's life around. But you know what she did to do that? She did one thing. She took a big risk. She took a big risk. Say big risk. When these guys said, we're here, God's going to crush this place. You help us know what's going on, and we'll preserve you and your family. 
She said, I'm going to do it. I know it's a risk, but I'm a businesswoman. I'll take the risk. I'll believe that there's a God of Israel that's going to save me. And at the same time, God said in, in Joshua 7, I'm going to crush Jericho. And they crushed Jericho. And he said, all the gold, all the silver, all the garments, anything good goes to the temple treasury. And there was a guy by the name of Achan. At the same time, Rachel was hiding someone for God. Achan was hiding something from God. They went in, they took all the spoil, and they brought it to the treasury. But Achan went into a tent. He grabbed some silver and gold, and he put it in the hipster. He said, a little bit for me, the family, the wife, the kids. He found a nice suit. It said he found raiment. He took a suit. He took silver and gold. And the Spirit of God, as they went out to battle the next few days, they lost. They got smote. They lost 36 men. He said, why is God not on our side? He said, there's sin in Israel. There's sin in Israel. In Achan's life, somebody withheld from God. He did something in private that was brought to light. And they literally said, there's a curse on this whole nation because of what you've done. And it said, go get Achan and his family and desecrate them and stone them to death and take them out. Lest Israel be abused and not be able to win. So while one lady was seem like on the surface that that lady's wicked she's a prostitute that's and god said i'm gonna use her because she believes then there was another guy that was supposed to be a believer that was just full of greed and god said i can't use you in fact i'm gonna wipe out all your descendants because of your wicked heart secret places secret places secret things i love what the bible says in proverbs 28 13 if you cover up your sin you'll never do well but if you confess your sins and forsake them you'll be kissed with mercy so as we look at matthew 6 1 it says and i love this i'm gonna give you these three things and then we're gonna pray and your life's gonna be changed forever do you believe it matthew 6 1 it says take care that you do not do good deeds publicly before men in order that you might be seen by them. By the way, Jesus speaking. Otherwise, you have no reward for and awaiting you with and from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, whenever you give. Listen, so if he says whenever you do, how many know this is a practice? Jesus is telling us, I'm going to give you three things right right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. I'm going to give you three things that you need to be doing that, that are not about what you can see. It has nothing to do with what you see. Actually, it has to do with what God sees. And how many know, I'm not really here to please people. I'm here to please the audience of one. Yes. I want you to live. You're not going to stand before me. When the Bible says everything will be naked and bare, you came into this life naked, you go out naked, and you take nothing with you. I do a funeral after the North Campus today, and I've never seen a U-Haul on a hearse. Never. Not once. You can't take anything with you. But you know what? You will stand bare before God and you will be judged for what you did mainly in private. Yes, there has to be some action to your faith. But, but God, you'll be laid bare. You'll say, why would you think that way? How come you never gave to my kingdom? I asked you to do a little thing, but you couldn't do 10% of it. And I gave you everything. What, why couldn't you serve on a serve day? Your pastor asked you 60 million times, come to prayer, learn how to pray. Your pastor asked you in the new year to hook up with a fast, not so you change me, so it changes you. 
Jesus said, so whenever you do these things, don't do them to be seen a man. For whenever you give to the poor, don't blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites in the synagogues do and the streets like to do. And they may be recognized and honored and praised by men. I tell you, they have their full reward. But when you give, see, that's why I got, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I didn't see bucket passing in the Bible. I just got mad that unbelievers would come to church and they'd put a bucket in front of them and make them feel guilty when they're not a child of God yet. And I choose that faith to believe that you will be a doer of the word of God. And as God's word says, give, you do it in private. That's why you slip it in a thing. You go online. God says, I'm going to reward you publicly. I'm thankful for a lot of people, Grace Life Church. God's prospering and blessing, paying off all their debt, overtaking them with blessings. Because this is, this is something holy that's between you and God. It's not between you and a pastor. I don't even look at that. I hope you do the will of God. I hope you pray. I hope you give. I hope you serve. I hope you read the word. Because it's only going to help you. But here's what Jesus tells about it. When you do charity, don't even let your left hand know that your right hand is doing so that your deeds of charity may be in secret. Everyone say the secret place. And your father who sees secret will reward you openly. I remember so many times planning this church for the first 10 years, and I had giving in this hand and not enough left over to eat. We always gave first before we'd eat. And you know, God always provided. You showed up too late to tell me God's not good. I wish everyone in this church was totally out of debt. I pray that way. What could we do for the kingdom if we're totally out of debt? But you know what? Some people will be bound by this their whole lives because when you talk about this, it's like hitting a wound on them because they never knew God enough to get a revelation. And Jesus brings it up. And he says right here, your deeds of charity may be in secret so your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In verse 5, listen to what he says. And when you pray, so first thing he says, whenever you give, whenever you give. Well, when do we give praise? All the time. Wait till next week. Don't miss the Thanksgiving sermon. When do we give Thanksgiving? He said, all the time, with everything, with Thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. With a thankful attitude, with a thankful heart. Can I tell you? If, if you can get thankful 24-7, you attract God's goodness to your life. He, he, he's around people that live in gratitude. But don't miss that. It's going to be awesome. But, but listen to this. I love this. Also, when you pray, say when you pray. When you pray, when you, pray you must not be like the hypocrites. Here he said, these guys, they want to be seen. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they might be seen by people. I truly tell you, they have their reward already. But when you pray, go into your innermost private room, close the door, pray to your father that he who is in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you in the open. Look at 616. And whenever you are fasting, Oh, so God's telling me right here through his word. Jesus is telling me, whenever you give, do it this way. Don't let other people know what you're giving. Don't announce it. Don't tell. Do it, do it as an offering to me. Whenever you pray, come. Don't, don't tell people what's going on. Just do it. Just do it. Don't oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I was at prayer. No, no, that's not a check mark for you in the kingdom. But you should come. 
And whenever you are fasting, do not look gloomy. I, I hate that. When you meet somebody, it's like, you know, I was the other day. I, I did the same thing. I, my son, he was like, Dad, I'm fasting today. I said, we're just going to eat dinner. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm fasting, and some guy says, hey, Pastor, I wanted to take you to lunch today. It's like, um, um, hold up. I can't come. But, but, but we, we don't tell the guy on the phone, oh, you know what? Today's my day to fast. I'm not eating. I'm not. You know, wow, you're spiritual. You're really spiritual, dude, man. You're not eating today. I mean, I need everything in sight. But no, no, no. He says, this is a discipline. Giving's a discipline. Praying's a discipline of your life. It's the practice that makes perfect. It's the practice in the secret place that God rewards you openly. It's the practice in prayer, the practice in giving. It's the practice when you fast. And I've learned in these last six, seven years of my life, I don't tell people when I'm fasting. But every week I fast meals. And I don't tell people. And I don't like fast and then, oh, gorge out the next day, hit the, hit the buffet up the road and just stay there all day and eat because I fasted two days. And I'm fasting. I'm coming, out, I'm coming out of a fast. I need to feed the flesh. God said, don't do it that way. Just say, Lord, I want to shut up the voice of the flesh because the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh are trying to pull me back. And I want to be in a place where I can hear your voice clearly. In this last hour, I want to make the right moves. I want to make the right play calls. I want to make the right play calls for my marriage, for my family, for my grand dog. I, I want to make the right calls. But listen what he says. He says, truly I tell you, they have their reward full and already. But when you fast, perfume your head, wash your face, so that your fasting may not be noticed by men, but by your father. He who sees in secret your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But look at verse 20. But gather and heap up store for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor worm destroy and thieves do break in. Listen to what he says here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what God's telling us. Jesus is telling us wherever you put your money, that's where your heart's at. Now, now write this in your notes and meditate on this all week. Why did Jesus mention these three things? And, and, and I'll give it to you this way. Just write it this way, and then I'll explain it. Giving cancels greed. Amen. Please write this down. Giving cancels greed. Prayer cancels pride. And the flesh, fasting, cancels the lust of the flesh. Now, this is what Jesus is trying to tell us, right? So as you break that down, you say, what do you mean giving cancels greed? 2 Corinthians 9 says it this way. says, purpose in your heart to be a giver. Why? Because God so loved that he gave. One guy, Bishop, was telling me, came to him and he said, hey, man. He said, I just want to talk to you before I give this $40,000 check. I believe God all year. And I got 400 grand came to me just like that for a part of my business deal. And he said, but, and he was shaking. And he said, I'll be honest with you. I really don't want to give this money. He said, I, I do not want to give 40 grand of the 400 grand. It's 10%. And I just do not want to. Give. But I'm asking you, would you pray for me to have a willing heart? He said, no. He said, Bishop said, the guy came over, his pastor, he grabbed his hand. He put his hand on the check. He said, Lord, never give him 400 grand again. 
Never give him $40,000 to give again. I pray that he, you take away everything he has because he's unable and unwilling to give this with joy. So please take everything away. He said, don't pray that way. No, no, no. He said, that's what I need to do. Because see, when God gives you something and you don't realize your gratitude is God gave you that job. God gave you that promotion. God gave you that house. God gave you that car. God gave you breath in your lungs. He gave you everything. He gave you all the hairs on your head, but you can't get rid of greed because you can't release the tithe 10%. He gave you a hundred and he asked you for 10. You said, no, my little daughter right there. Stand up, Gloria. Okay, sit down. When she was four, I bought her all these french fries and Happy Meal and and a big thing of french fries and I put it on, I squirted ketchup all over it. I said, let's eat french fries. And and she pulled the tray away. said, those are mine. Don't eat them. I said, I'll take all the fries away. I can buy you all the fries on the planet or I can take them all away. I gave you all the fries and I just asked you for a few. And the sad thing with my kids, I always ask them all for a few. <laughs> they go, Dad, don't. I know they grabbed their hamburger. They said, it's not the tithe, Dad. Because I'm going to taste all the food they eat. But you know what? Isn't that sad that we as kids, God says, I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to drop this goodness into your life. I'm trying to break the patterns of greed that your grandfather and, and, and my grandfather was so greedy. He had millions of dollars, but he was broke when it comes to God. He looked like he had a lot, but he had nothing. Like Mr. Potter, he just had a greedy spirit. And God says, if you can't let go of what's in your hand, I can't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't have there. And this is a discipline, Jesus said, it'll break the power of greed in your heart. And I'm like, I think we'll give more money than we made the first 10 years in salary every year and double it and increase it more and more because that's God's rule. That's God's law. It's not because the board increases us. It's because God is a God of the law of reciprocity. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he shall also reap. So it said in 2 Corinthians, purpose in your heart to be a giver. Purpose in your heart to be generous purpose in your heart to not give reluctantly because I will give seed to the do we have any sowers I give more seed to the sower some people you're barely making it through Christmas and we're just enough man you're going to break that curse over your life because you aren't going to get more you aren't going to get a promotion and a raise and a better job if God can't trust you with a little bit you'll be stuck for years and I've watched people live their whole lives and just be stuck living check to check That's a sucky life. Can I have an amen? Amen. Everyone say, break the curse of greed. But I love this next one. Prayer cancels pride. Why the pastor say, explain that, break that down. I'm busy. I got a lot to do. I run a business. I do this. I do that. I told my flesh, come sit down and pray. But you never ended in. You never said, Lord, use me to pray. So what happens when you walk into your prayer closet or this prayer place that's corporate? You need both. See, I get jacked up when I get around corporate prayer because it's like the team praying yesterday was phenomenal, man. Joey was blowing it up, righteous or bold as lines. It was just thick in here. And, and what's interesting is that if you just start walking to prayer and you really start doing it consistently, you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to be in your presence. 
And soon as you get in that secret place, soon as you get there, you start thinking, why am I here? Your flesh starts lying to you, right? Start telling you, you're hungry. Okay. <laughs> you're tired. <laughs> Stay awake and pray. Don't tarry. One hour at least, Jesus said. And, and all of a sudden you start realizing, if I'm going to continue being this father, being a husband, being a pastor, being a coach, being a mentor, helping other churches, I can't do this. Soon as you come into the presence of God, you go, I, why am I doing this? I can't do this. And then he says, he says like Isaiah 6, verse 1, Uzziah said, I saw the Lord, the prophet Isaiah, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the people cried glory. The angels cried, holy, holy, holy Lord, God almighty, heaven and earth is filled with your glory. And he said, I was undone, I was ruined. Soon as I got in his presence, I was ruined. I was messed up because I can never account for the goodness of God in my own ability. I could never work. So it brings you to this place of humility and dependence that goes, I'm undone. I'm ruined in your presence. God, what am I going to do? I feel like a, I feel horrible, Lord. He says, but he took a coal off the altar and he said, he touched your lips and he said, your sins are completely forgiven. Your sins are remitted and I remember them no more. And then he asked him a question. With all your imperfections, I still want you to go. So who can I send, Isaiah, and who will go for us? And I realized, if I'm going to do anything with my life for God, Lord, it's not I'm so cocky and bold I can do this. It's I can't do this without you. But here am I. Send me. See, when I left for Pittsburgh, I didn't say, Lord, we got this. We bad. No, it was like, Lord, we can't do this without dependency on your Holy Spirit. So now prayer produces this need to pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. It produces this need to go, this secret place, this secret place. So no longer, you can ask people, hey, where do y'all want to go to eat? Shout out your favorite restaurant right now. Wait, wait, that was weak. Let's try on three. Favorite restaurant on three. One, two, three. All the familias. You know your favorite food. You know, what, you know what? But you know what? Some people have been bowing to the God of their stomach because they can't even tell their flesh no. And when you fast, he said, I'll break lust over your life because you're able to be strong enough to tell your body when to get up, when to sit down, when to preach, when to shut up, when to go over here, when to give to somebody, when to give an encouraging word, when to, I, I don't want to do this funeral. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get up and do this. I don't want to do that. I and I say, shut up, flesh. Paul said, I die daily. I got to beat my body and bring it under. So fasting helps you to get this clarity from God to break the power of lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Jesus said, whenever you give, do it. Whenever you fast, do it. Whenever you pray, I want you to do it with this motive that no one ever sees that. And the God that sees, not just the platform, but the private See, some of y'all, I want a deeper revelation. I want a prophetic word. You got to get in the secret place. Because the Bible tells us right here in Psalms 91, he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Now, how many, how many, how many want to know why you have such joy and confidence 
and overwhelming joy in this last days when you go, Pastor, wars breaking out, earthquakes, hurricanes. I'll tell you, this is why this has been a theme in my life that I pray out almost every day. Psalms 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say the Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I lean and him will I trust. Then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence. And he will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings you'll hide and trust in his refuge. And the truth of his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid for terror by night, nor for arrow that flies by day, or slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction of sudden death that surprise that lays waste at noonday. It'll never happen to my family. Amen. Come on, do you believe that as the head of your home? Man! You make these declarations over your house. A thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near you. This is a promise. A thousand at my side. Only a spectator shall you see yourself. Listen to this. Inaccessible in the secret place of the most high as you witness the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place I'm going to close right here the most high your dwelling place I used to think as I was pursuing God as a 16 year old I read Tommy Tenney's God Chaser I read Robert's Lairdon's I Saw Heaven and all I wanted to do is be in God's presence and I'm thankful that it's starting to rub off on my kids but you know what I heard a guy saying yesterday like Gabe said after prayer he was singing it it's simple it's so simple. So I said, Lord, I used to be with, if I could just get over, ready? Where's your secret place? I said, if I can just get away from all this stuff and in the hospital praying and in the staff and then this and this and talking to people about real estate and this and if I can just get away and get on my yard tractor, my six foot inch provided by Jeff's spec, a six foot Kubota. That has it'll it'll go straight up a hill like this. When I get on that diesel tractor, I have Jesus talk to me. Mm, I put my headphones on, and it's like seriously, God talks to me the whole time. When I go into that steam room, I push that, I put eucalyptus in there, and I my my sinuses open up in the winter, and Jesus just start talking to me. When I get up in the morning, and I sit in that recliner, and I get up super early, and I sit there, He talks to me. And then then when I go in the grocery store, I don't know why it is. I don't know if anyone else has that experience. I don't go often, but when I go in the grocery store to buy stuff for my wife, I'll go to Ferries and I'll get my cart and the Lord, I go down the vegetable aisle. It's like veggie tales. It's like I start hearing words from God and I pull out my phone and start typing notes. People are looking at me. I'm in the onion section, man. I'm getting onions. I like onions. And I'm like typing a sermon. And then I'm driving down this aisle and I go by the meat and then God really speaks. <laughs> but, but, but then I get my Ford truck. It has to be a Ford. Because if you don't drive a Ford, you don't love the Lord. Anyway, I'm just kidding, Jim. You buy Chevrolet product. Hey, by the way, we picked up so much Dodge Chrysler and Chevy stuff on the road. Catalytic converters, parts. We, we, we got a whole pile of trash. We had all these punted people, Stu. You guys, come on, give it up for the team. You guys crushed it. We took 12 loads of garbage in our trucks between two trucks. And it, because you guys were doing, but I was like, I was like, and I get in my truck and I just drive to the North Campus and the Holy Spirit, even on the parkway, he talks now. People are giving you the finger cutting in front of you and you're just like, she did a bus. It's like, it doesn't bother me anymore. 
then, then, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm, then I sit down and I go, and, and can I tell you this, since we were kids, anytime my mom and dad said, we're going to church Sunday morning, right when we got saved in the early 70s, when it's time to go to church, how many, how many can testify this? When it's time to go to church, all hell breaks loose, especially with a family, all hell would break loose. Don't shake your head, Gloria. You caused some of that hell. And you too, Judah. You were some of the hell. Anyway, where's Gabe? Oh, he's at North. I'll get on him next service. But, but, but all of a sudden, hell breaks loose. And then we were at a Shabbat a couple of weeks ago on Beachwood Boulevard with some beautiful things, beautiful people. And we were having a celebration of Shabbat. And he started reading the prophet Isaiah. And I, I looked over and, and the, the Jewish man said to me, he said, there's never been a Shabbat like this. He said, do you think it was because there were so many Zionists in the room? I said, I think so because the spirit of the Lord lives in us. And so when I sit down with my family dinner, you say, when do you feel that, that pleasure of God? That, see, we used, we used to be taught, man, you, you better see God, dude. You better chase God. You better. And I started praying and realized God was chasing me. That he was in pursuit of me while I was still in sin. That, that in this secret place, when I, was, when I was mentally confused and I didn't know what to do, and God was always there. It wasn't I was trying to come into his presence. It was trying, he was trying to pursue me right where I was. And now I thought, what if I could just be in his presence in the secret place all the time? What if I could live, abide under the shadow of the almighty and live in that secret place? And as Genesis 3 said, when Adam blew cover because they sinned, he said, where are you, Adam? He hid from the presence of the Lord. And the whole Bible is a pursuit of a loving God coming after a wicked, fallen, messed up, rebellious child. And the New Testament, he said, I don't want you to know my judgment. I don't want you to know my wrath. I want you to come and look me full in the face of Jesus Christ. Because if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. You've seen the exact example of who I am when you looked into the face of Jesus. He said that if you've seen the Son, you have seen the Father. He said, show us the Father and sufficeth us. And so Adam, he lost this connection. He lost the secret place. He lost this quiet time. He lost. And so I was sitting there the other day and I said, I, I, long, to be, I long to be not just with all my family because that fills my cup when I sit down at the dinner and they know I'll cry half the time I'll start telling them about God's thankfulness and they're looking at me dad you're dumb but but you know what when you think about what God has done that a simple meal that my kids serve the Lord and my wife serves the Lord and we are still here and we're not sick and he provides all our needs and he gives us more than enough to do his will and he satisfies your mouth with good things. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Is this not the good news? But listen to this, listen to this. So, but, but I love to be with my wife one-on-one. -on -one. I get revelation when we walk down that trail and look at the leaves she gets more than me because I'm thinking what I need to do but all of a sudden I get to a point when I can shut everything off where God speaks and then when I sit with my family but when I get one-on-one -on -one with Judah man he's a great kid Gloria I'm trying to figure out she has a stronger will than me and her mother put together and thank God she's using it for Jesus and Gabriel, you get, you get around Gabe, and he's just talking about something godly and something that God told him. And it's like, 
I get to live. And then the Lord said to me, do you know, just like you can't wait for your kids to come over and your grand dog? He said, I've been not only waiting, I've been pursuing. I've been pursuing you. I've been pursuing you. Let me close with this thought. It's in Zephaniah. I love the scripture, Zephaniah. See, what we say is we're taught, I love God's presence. I want to worship. I want to be in his presence. But we don't love him because we love him. We love him because he first loved. He first gave. God so loved that he gave. While you were yet in sin, Ephesians says, while you were dying lost, without hope, rebellious in the world, Christ died for you while you were doing it your way. And all we ask you to do is just believe it. It's good news. Say it's good news. But we work it into religion, but this is good news. But listen what he says here. I love this. Zephaniah. In the day it shall be said of Jerusalem, fear thou not. And to Zion. Let not thine hands be slack, for the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. I want to close right here. Can I ask you this? Can you see God in a different way today? So I just gave you some things in secret. In secret, do this in secret. But you know what? There's a lot of people in secret that do those as works going through the motions that don't have any connection with God. But now when your heart is in the kingdom and your heart is in the house and you're building the kingdom and God says, you were a pillar in the house of my God while you lived on the planet. You were in the secret place of the most high. I could trust you with little. I make you ruler over much. How's that change happen in his presence, his fullness of joy? So God sees this little one that I sing over. I love, actually, I love your, your child so beautiful. His name's Zephaniah. Three, is that where you got that name? Zephaniah, he rejoices over you with singing. Can I tell you the worst day of your life, the worst day of my life, God doesn't change? You got a divorce, you fell short, you got an abortion. You messed up. You lost your business. You went bankrupt. That doesn't change how God sees you through Christ. He said, I'm coming after Dan. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. You're going to make it. You're going to win. I know if you just believe that Jesus can turn it all around, how can God turn a Rahab into somebody that's used in the lineage of Christ? Stop looking at the surface. Stop looking at everyone's platform. God looks on the heart. And he sees what's going on in secret, and he rewards you openly. So, so I just started realizing, and, and, and let me close here. He said, people say, I found Jesus, man. I found you didn't find Jesus. He found you. He's been pursuing you your whole life. He's been coming after you your whole life. And you say, well, what's this really about if you don't find Jesus? Actually, you stop with the surface stuff. You forget about the platform. You think about eternity. And you stop in your tracks long enough to let him catch you. Are you caught by God? Have you been caught by God? Have you been, have you been captured by his love? My son came home. And he said, Dad, he had this big grin on his face. He said, I think I have a crush. I said, hold up. I ain't going to say anything else. <laughs> but you know what? 
It's interesting how God says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. So isn't it interesting that Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride? And your whole life, he's been pursuing you. Why? Because he wants to bring you to a marriage supper of a lamb. He wants you to sign RSVP on the invitation that I believe Jesus Christ is the goodness of God revealed in the earth. That he has a plan for my life. He has very little of me, but his love has captivated me. And I stopped long enough to listen that he loves me. And that's why he gave. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your love.